I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Judges chapter 7. The book of Judges chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading at the 16th verse. And I just want to read a few verses of scripture from one of the great scriptural accounts of victory. Everybody say victory. Hallelujah. Anybody needing victory tonight? Glory to God. Amen. Judges chapter 7 and verse number 16. And he, Gideon, divided the 300 men into three companies. He put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. He said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets. Also on every side of all the camp, and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And notice this, all the host ran and cried and fled and the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow even throughout all the host and the host fled to Beth Shaita in Zerareth and to the border of Abel Maloah unto Tabith we give God the praise for great victory hallelujah I want to preach to you for just a few minutes tonight on this subject, victory in spite of it all. Victory in spite of it all. Could we lift our voices unto the Lord and ask Him for His blessing? Lord, I thank You for Your blessing upon this congregation and upon this time we have in Your presence. I pray, Lord, that Your Word would have free course tonight. Help us, I pray, to receive it into our spirits. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that You will, in fact, give us victory. For we know you have won the victory. I pray, Lord, for an anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. This is one of the great passages of Scripture in the Word of the Lord that, of course, talks about the victory of the people of Israel. I say one of the great passages because there are so many instances in God's Word where the Lord brought about victory in spite of very difficult circumstances. In fact, if it's been a little while since you've read some of those passages, I would encourage you to, to read it again because I think sometimes we forget just how faithful God is. And just how good God is. Just how strong God is. And the fact that God is for us. It is important that you and I understand that if God be for us, who can be against us? It's a rhetorical question. One that is obviously answered. Nobody in their right mind would be against us. And nobody of consequence would be against us. Because of the fact that the Lord is on our side and we thank the Lord for that but the Bible is is filled with scriptural examples of times and places and moments in history whether the people of God were up against a struggle that was much greater than their capability to overcome and yet God who is faithful who is rich in mercy who has all power in heaven and in earth would come through time and again and he would bring a great victory and a great deliverance 
from the enemies of the people of God. And this is one of those great passages. As a matter of fact, the book of Judges is filled with, with uh, many different examples of how the Lord brought great victory upon his people. Uh, many times he would do so through a deliverer. A deliverer would stand up and would war on Israel's behalf. And that deliverer would live for a while and the deliverance that they wrought would stand as a monument, as a memorial, a testimony in Israel until they would pass away. And when they passed away, often Israel would fall back into a backslidden condition uh, only uh, to have God uh, send another deliverer. Isn't God good? Amen. They didn't deserve it because they were they were the ones who backslid. They were the ones that turned their back on God. But I'm thankful that every time, every time we've needed him, he comes through for us. He doesn't hold your past against you when you call upon his name. He is there for you. I just feel it in my spirit tonight that somebody here needs a fresh victory from the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I know there's somebody here that needs a new victory from the Lord. And I want to tell you that God is going to give you the victory. It is the Lord's desire to give you the victory over whatever you're facing. Whether it be disease or whether it be a depression or whether it be a destructive relationship or whether it be some kind of a mental uh, uh, haunting, taunting from the adversary, the Lord is going to give you the victory. Yeah. Gideon shows us in his life account that, that regardless of how, of how bad the circumstances seem, the Lord can step in and bring victory. Now we understand that Gideon, we find him, the Bible says, threshing wheat down by the winepress. Now, I love that whole idea because he didn't stop threshing wheat even though he could not thresh wheat up on the threshing floor. Because if he had threshed wheat upon the threshing floor, threshing floors are situated at the high points of the mountains. The Midianites were looking from a distance and they were waiting for people to come out onto the threshing floor. And when they saw them come to the threshing floor, they would move in like a flood and take whatever wheat was available. But, but Gideon didn't stop threshing wheat. He just relocated to a place where you don't thresh wheat. You don't thresh wheat down by the wine press. Now, I know there's maybe not a whole lot of wheat threshers here, me being one of those who is not a wheat thresher. But when you research what wheat threshing entails, it literally it cannot be done down by a wine press. This was an act of faith on Gideon's part. To go down by the wine press, he needed winds. There's no wind down by the wine press. He needed the open air of the threshing floor upon the mountaintop. There is no open air upon the, the, the area surrounding the wine press. And yet Gideon threshed wheat faithfully as if God was going to intervene. And if you know something about God, you may not know this story, but you know God intervened. The Lord sent an angel into Gideon's uh, circumstances and he spoke to him. He called him a mighty man of valor. Gideon didn't even see himself that way. He said, I'm the least in my father's house. And my father's house is the least of its tribe. And my tribe is the least of all the tribes. I'm in a bad situation. And you're going to roll up in here and call me a mighty man of valor? Nobody has ever called Gideon a mighty man of valor. But it's like the song we just sang, he knows your name. Now, maybe nobody else knows your name. And maybe somebody misnamed you. I don't know. But God knows who you are because God formed you and God created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If God calls you a mighty man of valor, you can take it to the bank. You're a mighty man or woman of valor. Thank the Lord. And so Gideon receives this word from the Lord and, and God begins to deal with him saying, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to empower you to go against the Midianites who have intimidated and bullied Israel into a, a place of total cowering. But I'm going to anoint you and you're going to do what I tell you to do and I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to give you the victory. 
And so Gideon says, all right, Lord, what would you have me do? And then famously, uh, Gideon receives, man, folks are ready to turn the Midianites back. They send out a few emails and let people know, hey, we're getting an army together to find the Midian, fight the Midianites. And 32,000 volunteers. Hey, man, we can do something with 32,000 soldiers. And you know, Gideon was feeling good right about that time. And he said, all right, we got 32,000 soldiers. We can do this. And then God said, man, that is, a, that is quite an interesting number. But he said, uh, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go out there and I want you to say anybody who's scared at all and would rather go home, uh, you just go on home. And Gideon was like, God, you know all things. And I won't question your wisdom. But I think we're going to lose some folks if we do that. Maybe a few. There might be a few hundred even that would leave if I give them that option. And the Lord said, just go tell them, if you want to go home, you can go home. No hard feelings, no harm, no foul. Gideon goes out and says, all right, if anybody here wants to go home, if you're missing mom's home cooking, you can go on home. 22,000 men said, oh, okay, well. We'll see you later. <laughs> I appreciate it, and, and we'll see you later, guys. <laughs> 10,000 stood, and Gideon has got to be frustrated, thinking, Lord, why would you give that as an alternative? And he goes back to the Lord, and the Lord says, man, 10,000. Wow, I wasn't expecting 10,000. Gideon's like, yeah, you're telling me. And the Lord said, yeah, that's way too many. I thought, I thought there'd be a lot more go." And Gideon and God are not on the same page. Have you ever been there before where you feel like you and God are not on the same page? Where you feel like maybe you need a lot more resources than what God is giving you? You ever been there when you feel like, Lord, if I had, if I had just 32,000 troops or dollars, I could do this thing. And God just immediately subtracts. The resources you thought you had, and you realize you're not on the same page as God. And then, and then God says, no, 10,000 is way too many. He said, I tell you what, you go down to the brook, and you, you give them the opportunity to drink water out of the brook. And everybody that drinks the right way can stay in your army, and everybody that drinks the wrong way has to go home. And Gideon's like, oh, man, half the army's going to end up going home. You know they don't all know how to drink the way God wants them to drink. So, but anyway, God said it, so let's go down to the brook. And they go down to the brook. And Gideon said, all right, everybody, get you a drink of water. And he's over there saying, oh, God, I hope we can keep most of these soldiers. But, you know, who knows? There might be a few hundred that drink the wrong way. 9,700 of them drank the wrong way. Gideon is kicking dirt. Are you guys kidding me? You just reduced my army down to 300 men. And when Gideon wants to complain about it, God says, that's right where I want it. Now it's starting to look like an army I can use. See, God operates in the supernatural. God operates in the miraculous. And so God will reduce things down from 32,000 and down from 10,000 until you have 300 men. And he says to Gideon, Gideon, I want you to go and fight the Midianites with these 300 men, but I want you to go with my specific instructions. We talked this morning about the specific instructions that Jesus gave to the disciples concerning the fact that they would cast their nets on the right side of the ship. And while that didn't seem to make any sense to them because it's the same water, it's the same boat, it's the same nets. But there is an obedience factor that always generates the miraculous. And Gideon is now faced with this obedience opportunity. And when you have an obedience opportunity, take it. Don't miss out on your obedience opportunity where God says to you a hard thing for you to do. Something you don't really feel like is possible within the realm of your logic and reasoning. 
But God has spoken it. God has declared it. God has commanded it. You just do what the Lord tells you to do. And everything's going to be all right. And Gideon now stands with 300 men. And God says, you're going to go against the Midianites with these specific instructions. And the specific instructions are as follows. You're going to take a pitcher and you're going to make sure that the pitcher is completely empty. I don't want anything in that pitcher. You clean that pitcher out. Make sure there's nothing on the inside. Don't want anything left over. I don't want any coins. I don't want any safety pins. I don't want any buttons. I don't want anything in that pitcher. And then I want you to put inside of it, once you've thoroughly cleaned it out, I want you to put inside of it a lamp that's burning with fire. Put the lamp of fire inside the pitcher. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel your presence, Lord. And then I want you to go out, get you a trumpet. I want every single man to have a trumpet in his right hand. And then I want you to stand every man in his place across the mountainside. And I want you to get ready for my command. And before he did any of this, he said, Gideon, I want you to go down into the camp. And I want you to hear what your enemies are saying about you. Do you know sometimes the Lord will let you hear what your enemies are saying about you? So that he can embolden you to step into the dimension of obedience he has called you to. I don't know that Gideon would have been able to really understand how God was going to give him victory. If he had not heard what he heard among the Midianites. But he snuck down into the Midianite camp and they heard what was being said. And somebody said, I had a dream. And I had a dream that a barley cake tumbled down into the camp of the Midianites. And the whole camp of the Midianites was overtaken by a barley loaf. And one man said, I've got the interpretation of that dream. That is nothing more than the sword of Gideon. Gideon hears this, goes back and says, the enemy is ripe for the taking. We're going to go in as God has commanded us to do, and we're going to obey the word of the Lord. He stands up in that mountaintop. And waits for God's command. When God's command comes, Gideon breaks the pitcher that they had so thoroughly cleaned out. When he breaks the pitcher all at once, he and all of those 300 men, all at once, the bright, shining fire inside the pitcher began to illuminate the night sky. And they sounded the trumpets. And shouted, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And when the Midianites looked up, heard the noise, looked around and saw all that fire illuminating the night sky. Heard that shouting, heard the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, heard the sounding of the trumpet. Every one of them turned their own swords against each other and they ran and they cried and they fled. And the Lord brought victory to the children of Israel. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God gave them victory in spite of it all. God gave them victory in spite of dwindling resources. God gave them victory in spite of people turning around and going back home. God gave them victory in spite of people not knowing how to obey God in the way that they should drink the water. God gave them victory in spite of how they saw themselves. God gave them victory in spite of the Midianites' strength. God gave them victory in spite of the war machine that was down in that valley. God gave them victory and God will give you victory in spite of whatever it is you are facing. Hallelujah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. He is the King of glory. Don't you be defeated. Don't you be downtrodden. Don't you let your head hang low. You understand that God has victory for you. Understand that God has purpose for you. Understand that God is going to heal you, and God is going to deliver you, and God is going to set you. Hallelujah upon high places. Oh, blessed be his name. 
Now we want to look at this and understand how in the world did Gideon gain this kind of victory. How did Gideon step into this, into this role of having victory in spite of it all? And I want you to know there were certain specific things that God led him to do that brought him to the precipice of victory. First of all, we understand that he said, empty out the pitcher. I want to make sure that there's nothing inside that pitcher. This is precisely what Peter was telling them when they said, what shall we do? And he said, repent. He was saying, empty out the pitcher. Get that pitcher empty on the inside. You need to walk away from every sin. You need to walk away from everything that's not like the Lord. You need to walk away from your greed and from your envy and from your lust and from your rebellion and from your hatred and from your racism and from your pride and from your ungodly thinking and from your ungodly ways. You need to clean out that picture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. If you're wondering why you don't have victory, you got to go back to where it all begins. You can't have victory until the picture is cleaned out. You've got to clean out the picture. Get your soul right with God. You got to go back to an old fashioned altar and say, Lord, if there's anything in me that's not like you, take it away. Take it away. Get it out of my spirit. Get it out of my mind. Get it out of my heart. Get it out of my soul. Take it away from me, Lord. Take it away out of, my, out of my attitude. Get it out of my attitude. Lord, I don't want it to be in me. Presumptuous sins, take them away. Iniquities, take them away. Transgressions, take them away. All the stuff, listen, hidden faults, secret snares, take them away. Empty out the picture. Peter said, if you'll repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's precisely what Gideon was seeing as a symbol when God said, now take the fire and put the fire inside the empty pitcher. There's an empty pitcher. That's what we have when we repent and are baptized in Jesus' name. When you repent of your sins, you're walking away from the sin. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus washes over you. And every sin is completely rectified, redeemed. It is pushed aside. It is covered. It's not deferred one year like it was in the Old Testament. It is completely washed and washed and washed. Washed and washed out of your life. Power washed. My Lord, sometimes you got, listen, you can't just run some soap and water over sin. I think that might be the problem. Some folks are just kind of putting a weak little water fountain trickling over their sin. Sprinkling it. You can't do anything with sprinkling. You got to get you a Acts 238 power wash. You got to walk up on the stuff and just hold it there until it's gone. You just got to walk up on it. You got to peel the paint off of that, whatever it is, and just, and just let God cleanse you and empty out that picture. Oh, hallelujah. When the empty picture is standing there ready to receive the fire, put the lamp inside. The lamp's got oil in it. The oil is causing the lamp to burn. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And when, how many remember when the fire filled you? Glory. How many remember when the Holy Ghost fire filled you? If you're here tonight and you need the Holy Ghost, I can't wait to see you talking in tongues. It's going to be Holy Ghost and fire. Just let him baptize you. Just let him wash over you with a brand new baptism of the Holy Ghost and power. And put that fire down deep on the inside of you. Let it get down inside of you. Don't wait for it to happen. Know that it's a promise from God. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. My God. My God. Send it on down. Send it on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost... Come on down. 
Hallelujah. Open up the heavens and let the fire fall. Elijah built up the evening sacrificial altar and said the Lord's going to rain down fire upon the evening sacrifice. I don't want to be a church that doesn't have the fire falling. I don't want to be some group that gets together on Sundays and acts like we got something going on. I want Holy Ghost in time apostolic fire to fall on us. Uh, listen, it doesn't matter how many years it's been since you first obeyed Acts 2.38. I hope you've repented today, and I hope you repented yesterday, and I hope you repented the day before, and I hope you're ready to repent tomorrow, and I hope you're ready to repent before you go to bed at night. well that's that's a lot of repenting i'm not trying to condemn you i'm trying to tell you you got to keep that picture clean you've got to keep that picture empty so the fire can can be placed inside of an empty empty picture hallelujah thank you jesus sometimes we get too much stuff in the picture you you get to putting junk in the picture you be careful. You put some dust and dirt and other stuff that don't belong there, and, and, and all of a sudden, the fire begins to wane inside the pitcher. God said, I want that fire burning bright, Gideon, and I want you to take it out onto the mountainside. And when we get it out of the mountainside, we're going to gain the victory, all right? Are you ready to gain the victory? you ready to have victory? Because Gideon, we're going to have victory. Now, I know I've surprised you. I know 22,000 men left just like that. I know 9,700 left at the drop of a hat. I, I get it. I understand. You, I'm surprising. I'm about to surprise you again. Because this pretty little picture you got with the lamp on the inside of it, it's getting ready to get shattered into a million pieces. I want you to break the picture. So many people are losing the battle. Because they refuse to break. Because they refuse to humble down. Because they refuse to be contrite before God. You can't have the victory until the pitcher breaks. The vessel has to break in order for the victory to be won. I don't know what you're up against, but, but, but don't, don't try to get out of this thing whole. You fight until you are broken by what it is you are fighting. Glory to God. That's what Jacob said. Jacob was wrestling with the angel, and the Bible says that the angel touched the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob wrestled all night long until the breaking of the day, and he was wounded, and if you please, broken by this angel who this, this manifestation of whatever a sort had, had touched the hollow of his thigh and said, let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What he understood was that I have been broken and because there is brokenness there is about to be a blessing God responds to brokenness don't you know that there would be no remission of sins without the shedding of blood? Don't you realize that what brought you the victory in the first place was that he was wounded and he was bruised and he was chastised? Hallelujah. He was stricken and smitten of God and he was afflicted and we hid as it were our faces from him and, and, and we esteemed him not and there was no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. There is no washing of sins by the blood of the Lamb if he's not pierced through with many sorrows. There is no stripes whereby we are healed if he's not lacerated and broken open. There is no victory that I can preach to you about tonight if he was not broken open as a vessel, as an empty vessel. It was when he was broken open, not his bones, but his body was broken open. As that vessel was shattered, Jesus was shattered upon the cross. There is no victory for us without his crucifixion. There is no victory for us without his brokenness. And that's why that wonderful vessel of God in flesh 
came down into this world and that flesh had to be opened up so that the light could shine forth. That's why the centurion who had just finished participating in crucifying him said, surely this was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God. He didn't know it, hallelujah, till the vessel was lacerated. He didn't know it until the veil was rent in the temple. He didn't know it until there was brokenness involved. And some of you are resisting the breaking point of your battle. But don't resist the breaking point of your battle. Let God sweetly break you. Let him, hallelujah, break you open so that the light can shine forth. The Bible says that God will take out your stony heart and he will give you an heart of flesh. When it talks, that's the only time the Bible speaks of a positive, in a positive way about flesh. He said, an heart of flesh I will give you and I will replace your stony heart. That stony heart is the hardened heart that you and I have that is calloused over because of how many times it has been wounded and how many times it's been broken. And because we didn't let God heal it, we healed it ourselves. And we healed it the wrong way. It never did get healed. It's covered over with the callous of our pain and the callous of our bitterness and the callous of our arrogance and ignorance. And we won't let anybody near it, let alone God. But God said, if you'll let me, I'll break into that vessel. He is describing surgery. It is an literal point at which the vessel is perforated and he enters into hallelujah that place where your heart is kept and he pulls out the stony heart and he transplants a heart of flesh that's not talking about carnal flesh that's talking about the heart that you're always supposed to have the original heart the heart that has never been broken the heart that has never been wounded. He's going to give you back what you lost in the beginning. Hallelujah. But he can't do it until you let him break you open. For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and to the joints and the marrow of the bone. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is like a surgical instrument. Hallelujah. God help us in Jesus' name. Listen, the word of God is not some big clumsy sword that we just throw out there and start chopping away and whacking away. It's not a whack-a-mole gospel. People just come in and we just start just spouting off whatever we feel and whatever we think and whatever got on our nerves this week. No, no. This is a surgical instrument and this is an operating room and you're being anesthetized by the grace of God. You're being put into a place where you can receive the word of the Lord. And when you get into that place, oh, thank God, then the word of God can begin to do its work and he'll cut cancerous tumors out of you and he'll cut oh I feel the Holy Ghost he'll he will put bones back together just like he did in the valley of dry bones bone to his bone and joint to its joint God will give you victory there's got to be a breaking notice what the word of the Lord says in Isaiah 57 and 15 for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity Whose name is holy. Anybody have any questions of who that's talking about? I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also. That is of a contrite and humble spirit. I'm going to read this to you again. For thus saith the high and lofty one. That inhabiteth eternity. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is talented and has everybody's admiration. With him also that is just amazing and awesome and cool. With him also that is got everything in the world going for him and never had a problem in life. No, no. 
with him that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God dwells in the high and the holy place. And the only folks that live there with him are those of a contrite and a humble spirit. Notice what the word of the Lord says. When David was going through the most vicious battle of his life, he had defeated Goliath. He had defeated the lion. He had defeated the bear. He had slain his ten thousands. He had overcome so many battles. There was nobody who could stand against David. And yet he was about to be brought down by God himself because of his arrogant sin because of his arrogant transgression and his sin was brought before him by Nathan the prophet who said thou art the man and David didn't know what to think about it or what to do about it and finally he just said have mercy on me oh God according to thy loving kindness Uh, you know that word loving kindness you know that's not even a word it's not even a word, loving kindness. That, that's actually two words. It's loving and it's kindness. But, but, but there's a Hebrew word that describes the mercy and the affection and the goodness and the love of God that the English doesn't even have a word to describe it. So they took two amazing words and pieced them together to try and explain what he was saying. According to thy loving kindness. It's not just kindness. It's loving kindness. And it's not just loving, but it's a loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. You know who's saying this? This is a king saying this. This is David. This is the man after God's own heart. This is the sweet psalmist of Israel. This is the prophet David. This is King David. This is the man. And he says, God, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions. And hear this. My sin is ever before me. And that's one of the challenges with people. And one of the reasons why you struggle with gaining victory. Because your sin is not ever before you. The Bible says that there's a, there's a, a, a category of people where the fear of God is not before their eyes. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And, and if you live in a mindset where your sin is not before you. And you get to thinking that somehow you're holy. Because you do good stuff. Now and then, when you feel like doing it, you start to think that you're righteous and that you're godly. Those are not words that can be attributed to me and they cannot be attributed to you. They can only be attributed to one and his name is Jesus. And if they are ever attributed to me or you, it is only because we are in Jesus. He didn't say just be you holy. He said be you holy as I am holy. Hallelujah. Your sin has to be before you. You have to know that if it weren't for the grace of God, you would have fallen. And don't you get to pointing fingers at everybody around you. Because if it weren't for the grace of God, there go you and I. God forbid we should be like the Pharisee who said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this publican, this sinner, and I'm not like other men. Wrong, sir. You are like other men. You are a sinner. It doesn't matter what all you say you've experienced in God. You are a sinner without the blood of Jesus Christ. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. I, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. You desire truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Can you say tonight that there is truth in the inward parts? Can you say tonight that in the hidden part you know wisdom? David was being clear. I'm not there. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. 
Have you ever looked at the Psalms before and just been convicted by the way David prays and praises God? I mean, what, what, it, it just puts my little, God, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and all your blessings. And love you. I'm looking out this eye and looking out that eye trying to make sure that I know where I'm going next. And, and, and I'm checking my watch and I'm, and I'm, I'm checking to see who's texting me and, 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 and I'm, just, I'm just throwing something together. And here David is. He is alone with God. And he is reaching into the depth of his soul. And he's crying out to God with all of his heart. And the words that are coming out of his mouth are so meaningful. They, they drip with meaning. They drip with sincerity. They are covered and coated and saturated with honesty. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. When did you pray that last? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way. What he's trying to say is, Lord, I'm broken before you. But if you'll continue to break me open, there'll be a light to come out of me. There'll be a lamp to shine forth. And I will teach transgressors thy way. If you'll let me be broken down, I will teach transgressors thy way. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. I'm going to tell you what repentance will do. Let me tell you real quick. Let me back up. Your sin will take you to hell. But repentance will turn your sin into an evangelism tool. Repentance will take the sin you committed and, and teach others the ways of God. And sinners will be converted unto the Lord. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips. My mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou, here it is, desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. He said, Lord, I'm not even going to bother. I'm not even going to bother with sacrifice or burnt offering because this is it. I know something about you. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. The first step to your victory after you've emptied the pitcher and put the lamp in it is to break that vessel open don't, don't, don't try to hide under some hypocritical label and make people think you're something you're not we are nothing without Jesus we are nothing without Jesus come on down off of your high horse come on down off of your pedestal and get low before the Lord and understand God the broken spirit and a contrite heart. That's what pleases you. That's what you won't despise. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Without you, I can do nothing. I must decrease and you must increase. Hallelujah. Come on, vessel. Break open. Break open. Stop trying to justify why you did what you did. Stop trying to justify why you deserve something better. Stop trying to justify why this shouldn't be happening to you. And just break down. Break down. Break down. Don't be afraid to break open. Because if you'll break open, the light will shine. I said if you'll break open. Open, the light will shine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nebuchadnezzar, I, I won't go into all the Nebuchadnezzar. I'll just say that Nebuchadnezzar saw so many demonstrations of God. Daniel told him what his dream was and then interpreted his dream. It blew Nebuchadnezzar's mind. Nebuchadnezzar threw the three Hebrew children into the fiery furnace only to see a fourth man walking in the fire. And by the end of Daniel 3, he's shouting unto the Lord, Bless me, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But his sin was not ever before him. And he forgot that without God he is nothing. And in Daniel chapter 4, he has a dream, and in this dream, he sees a mighty tree that has everything that everybody needs. And it is brought down to the stump. And he, he wakes up, and he's scared, and he asks Daniel, what, what's with this tree, this, this vision I had, this dream? And Daniel said, you're the tree, and God's going to bring you down to a stump. And Nebuchadnezzar said, well, how can I avoid that? Well, you've got to be humble before the Lord. And a year later... 
His sin was not ever before him. He forgot that it's only by the grace and the mercy of God. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you ever forget this. And I, I, try, to say, I try to say it as much as I can. I, I, don't, say, I don't keep repeating it because I forgot that I said it. I keep repeating it because I don't feel like I say it enough. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It is of the Lord's mercies. You, you, you have not been consumed because he's merciful. And that's the only reason. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Nebuchadnezzar forgot who he was. And he walked out into his, into his empire and he said, look at this awesome place. Man, I've done good. I've done really good. In the same hour, God gave him the heart of a beast. And he began to crawl on the ground like, like an animal. And he ate grass like oxen. And his hair grew out of his body like eagle's feathers. And his fingernails grew like claws. And he lost his mind. Until he turned his heart to heaven. And said, blessed be the God. You know the last words we hear from Nebuchadnezzar? He's praising God. The last things we read about this man who was some kind of a character in the Word of God. I mean, some kind of a, of a, of a, a, a just an evil guy. But, but the last words we hear from him are him turning to the Lord saying, God, I can do nothing without you. You have the armies of the heavens and you are the king of kings and you are over all. Hallelujah. That's what happens when you let the vessel break. The light begins to shine forth. Oh, Hallelujah. Break open, 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 break open. Hallelujah, break open. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. When you allow yourself to break open, the light shines forth. I want, I, want to, I want to just take a moment, as we're going to come to a close here in a moment. But I want to take a moment and just talk to you about the light that shines when you are broken. Don't be afraid of being broken. When you are broken and you, and you sweetly, we, 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 I love the song we sing. It says, sweetly broken, wholly surrendered. Don't be afraid to be sweetly broken and wholly surrendered because there's a light that shines from that. And, and, and it's important that we don't just get lost in the cliche of the light. The light shines. Well, that's good. The light shines. You've got to understand what the light is. The Bible tells us what the light is. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. The light that shines from you is the life of Jesus Christ. When you are broken... The light of the life of Jesus Christ shines from you. And it shines into the darkest crevices of this world. And, and, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Notice, notice what the Bible says about the life of Jesus. Hebrews 1 and 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory... And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. Hallelujah. Hear what I'm telling you. That when the light, the light that shines forth from you is the brightness of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's why when you suffer, go ahead and suffer. Go ahead and suffer. When you're falling into suffering, 
you don't have to grapple and scrap and try to maintain your balance. You just fall into the, into the hands of God and say, Lord, I'm in your hands. Break me open and let the light so shine before men that they may behold my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven. Let the light shine. Let the light shine. Jesus said, no man having lit a candle puts a bushel over it so that the light won't shine. The whole purpose of lighting the candle is so that it will shine. Don't put a bushel over your candle. The bushel that is over the candle is our flesh. The bushel that is over the candle is our lack of brokenness because there is no way for people to see the light. We are so unbroken. We are so non-contrite. We are so focused on keeping ourselves together and keeping our act together and we don't allow the light to shine through any crack or crevice. But God is saying, Gideon, if you want the victory you got to break that picture and you've got to let the glorious light of Jesus Christ shine. And if you'll let that light shine you can shout, shout, shout Shout, 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 sound the trumpets and shout, sound the trumpets and shout, sound the trumpets and shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Oh, hallelujah. See, that's what happens when it's broken and the light shines. You can praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Shout it out loud. Shout it out loud. You know, the Bible, when it talks about praise, it's talking about, it, it, it doesn't say, it doesn't say to bring him a, bring him a, a, a patty cake praise. I've looked for patty cake in Strong's Concordance, and I cannot find it. He never said to do that. He said, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. He said, praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. He said, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. He said to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. To come before his presence with singing. Hallelujah. He said, he said to dance before the Lord. To praise him in the dance. Grab you a timbrel and praise the Lord. Praise him upon stringed instruments and organs and lift up the name of the Lord and magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It was a constant admonition to shout, shout, shout and sing and clap and dance and leap and give him praise and worship him in the beauty of holiness. And I'm going to tell you, when you do that, your enemy is going to run and your enemy is going to cry and your enemy is going to flee. And I'm talking about the same enemy that used to steal your harvest. I'm talking about the same enemy that used to steal your joy. I'm talking about the same enemy that used to make you think there was no hope for you or help for you and that you should despair. That same enemy, when you let the picture break and you let the light so shine and you start to give God praise, the the enemy's going to flee. I wonder if somebody could do it right now. I wonder if somebody could do it right now. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Come on, somebody do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Come on, you can have victory in spite of it all. You can have victory in spite of the doctor's report. You can have victory in spite of the betrayal. You can have victory in spite of the circumstances. You can have victory in spite of the fiery trial. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Come on, we need victory. We need victory. We need victory. Stop being content with being defeated. Stop being satisfied with being downtrodden. The Lord is your portion. The Lord is your salvation. The Lord is your life. Give him the praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. How many came tonight needing victory? I said, how many came tonight needing victory? Now, you might not have thought you were going to get it, but God wants to give it to you. I said, God wants to give it to you. I don't know what your expectation level was, but God wants to give you victory. He wants to give you joy in the place of your sadness. He wants to give you victory in the place of your defeat. Hallelujah. Here's what I want us to do all across this building. We're going to have victory tonight. will have victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me. He bought me with his redeeming blood. I loved him ere I knew him. Oh, my love is due him. He plunged me to victory. I said, he plunged me to victory. He plunged me to victory. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Here's what I want us to do. All across this house, I want everybody who's been dealing with brokenness, I want you to lift your hands and look to the Lord. And I want you to say, God, this brokenness is not going to be in vain. Give me the victory. Lord, I repent of all my sins. Wash me clean, Lord. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Come on, I don't know where your brokenness came from, but you go ahead and give that brokenness to God. That brokenness, hallelujah. God's going to use it for his glory. God's going to use it for his glory. God's going to use it for his mighty power according to his excellent greatness. Come on, all across this building. I need some, I need some broken folks. I need some broken folks to stop playing games and stop acting like you got everything together. Step out in the aisle and say, Lord, I need a victory over my adversary. Lord, I need a victory over my enemy. Come on, I need some broken folks to get out in the aisle and make their way forward right now. Come on, I need some folks dealing with brokenness to come forward and say, I need a brand new touch. I need a brand new touch. Come on, here's what I want us to do. We're getting ready to rejoice. But I want you to come down with repentance right now. Come down with repentance right now. And say, Lord, I'm broken. Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, I'm wounded. Lord, I'm sad. Lord, I'm dealing with pain right now. But I'm not going to resist it. I'm going to break open. I'm going to break open. Lord, in the cracks and the crevices of my spirit, let the light, let the light shine. Let the light shine. Let the light shine. Come on, that's it. Repent right now. Tell him, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Empty out the pitcher. Empty out the pitcher. Empty out the pitcher. Lord, wash me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me, Jesus. Cleanse me, Jesus. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Cleanse thou me from the hidden hypocrisies. Come on, that's it. Now go ahead. Now go ahead and let your will crumble all around you. Let your will crumble all around you. Come on, the enemy's getting scared. The enemy's getting scared right now. The enemy's getting scared right now. The enemy doesn't know what you're doing. The enemy expected you to fight with carnal weapons, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let your will crumble. Let your pride crumble. Let your flesh crumble all around you. And let the light shine. Let the light shine. Let the light shine. Now I want you to go ahead and shout unto God. Shout unto God. Praise His name. Praise His name.
shout it out. Yeah.